Welcome to another episode of the Career Talks Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Orlando Hanks. Here is where you gain actionable advice for your career and life. Um, and I just be hitting them out the park with the guests. So it's not specifically me. It's the amazing guest that I have on. And tonight is no short. You know who she is. You've seen the flyer. She's been on before. And this is her second time to come and blaze uh, the Career Talks podcast with this incredible topic here. Um, but let me not uh, belabor the point like I always say. Let me bring on Miss Dr. Excuse me, I'm choking here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Miss Dr. Jasmine Escalera to the stage. What's going on, Jazz? Hello, how are you? <laughs> Good. Number two, we in the building. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here for the second time. Awesome. Awesome. So for folks that don't know, um, share a little bit about you and um, we'll dive into an amazing conversation here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dr. Jasmine Escalera and I'm a career and confidence coach for women of color. And I truly help my clients to really be conscientious about the mindsets and the habits that are holding them back from having the career that they want and really think about these strategies to moving forward and up leveling in their career and also in their career mindset. I really enjoy helping women to really look at their minds, look at their thoughts, look at their limiting beliefs, really understand how those translate into blockers that have them um, not taking the actions that they need to take to really generate the career that they want. That's cool. That's cool. I think um, as I was uh, thinking about the topic when you shared and looking through your information, I was like, wow, I don't see anyone else really talking about it, empowering that word. So that's really cool. And I think uh, the fact that you're targeting, you know, I wouldn't say targeting, but helping women embrace that is super, super cool. It's funny. My wife is like, I'm about to watch this episode. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, I think that, you know, when we kind of think about being women in women in the workplace, mm -hmm. we do sort of have so much pressure on us to really act a certain way. And I think it's essential and important that we become that empowered version of ourselves to step into that confidence. So many of my clients come to me and they say confidence is the major thing that they need to work through. But for me, confidence comes from inside. It comes from our beliefs of self. It comes from really exploring our mindset. It comes from understanding what's limiting us from taking the actions we need to take to really be able to move that forward. Oh, there she is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Wife is watching. No pressure. So um, when you say the, the, the lack of confidence, like is that something innate? that women grow up with or because if yeah. right if you look at the data men typically we just shoot from the hip yeah, um, yeah or you know do the complete opposite so where does that come from uh, where women will be a little more fearful or timid um to say no in hopes yeah. oh well with not it blocking their career growth it's a lot of conditioning. So, you know, it's so great that you said that men kind of shoot from the hip, but you're allowed to, you know, you grow up mm -hmm. and you're allowed to act certain ways. And there's a lot of um, societal conditioning around, oh, boys will be boys, you know, so boys can be more boisterous, they can be more aggressive, whereas women are taught to be more meek and more about tending to other people's needs. So it's a lot of conditioning and it's a lot of cultural conditioning, societal conditioning. So there's just a lot there that tells women how we are supposed to act. And that just continues to propagate and translate in every aspect of life, in your relationships, in your career, in your friendships. So it's essential for us to really be understanding of the fact that there are external factors and external pressures that are teaching us as women how to engage with the world. But that doesn't mean that we have to do that. And it takes empowering your mindset and empowering yourself to build that confidence to push back. But that takes time and it takes effort because you're talking about years, if not decades of conditioning that we now need to break down because the impact of not showing up in the workplace with that confidence, with that empowered mindset, is that we don't get the leadership roles. We don't get the money. We don't get the visibility. We don't have the same presence. And that, of course, is impacting our careers tremendously. So this is definitely um, an historical kind of systemic uh, issue that's been, you know, going from the beginning of time, <laughs> suppressing, you know, suppressing women in the workforce. And then that progression of it 
Um, and we're still not at a point, even at this 2024, we're still seeing that. So um, share with us maybe a personal story, because I'm sure folks that are watching, any of the, the women that are watching or men that have, you know, uh, wives or daughters or whomever in their life that uh, sisters, moms, right, that are going through that, they can identify. So mm-hmm. if you there are one or two stories that you've experienced yeah. and then how you overcame that to, to shed some light. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I grew up in the projects. I grew up around like black and brown families. I always felt super confident. My confidence deteriorated when I went into STEM, when I went into the academic and professional world, mm-hmm. when I was almost seen as the other and not as a part of. So in my community, I was a part of, I was championed, I was supported. I always felt that I had that backing. But going into those spaces, being in those environments, that really was the factor that diminished my sense of self and my confidence. And in fact, a lot of what I felt I needed to do to try to belong or to try to be a part of was conform, was try to act different was try to play small so that, you know, the external sense of me, like looking so different, didn't seem so big. So there was a lot of breaking down of my confidence because of those external factors and toxic work environments. So toxic Mm -hmm. work environments that I've been in, my clients have been in, are known to just change your sense of self. So you no longer perceive you in the same way. You don't see your value the same way. You don't see your accomplishments the same way. So for me, my personal story is like, I I thought I was the bomb.com. And then I went into these environments and I completely started to deteriorate. And really, what helped me to reclaim that sense of self and that sense of confidence was going back to who I was when I was that girl in the projects. It was really coming back to my culture, going back to that confident, empowered self, and really understanding that I needed to create a community in my professional space that was almost kind of going to be like the surrogate community from the community I had when I was a child. So what helped me really to build back up was having mentors who looked like me, was talking to individuals who had experienced the same things that I had experienced and who could almost like sort of walk me down the path of getting back to that version of myself. Wow. So you mentioned um, some of the the smaller things that embed women's mind through, you know, environment uh, and where they're at. So we know the term microaggression, right? Yeah. Um, so talk to us about maybe some micro um you know, things that happen that we should be looking out for. Women should look out for. And again, for men who are advocates of women um, should be looking out for where you're seeing that it's stifling uh, women's confidence or not empowering them to say no. Yeah. So microaggressions to me are like small cuts, you know, small mm-hmm. cuts that are continually happening that become big gushing wounds because you're constantly taking mm-hmm. it on. Microaggressions are really interesting because for me, I was being told things like, oh, wow, you grew up in the projects and you're mm-hmm. here or you grew up in the projects and you went to Yale, you know, almost that like questioning kind of phrase of like, wow, you yeah. and you know, I would actually like say to myself, like, was that like, was that them being like racist? Like what's going on here? You almost sort of start to question yourself. And there's these narratives that run in your head. So, you know, these microaggressions are really truly those things that you say to yourself almost like in the moment, like, what was that? Did I hear that right? Mm. But there are things like being labeled a certain way because of who you are, where you came from. People saying certain things that feel truly undermining Mm. to you, to your experience, to your expertise, to your journey. And in terms of really being able to spot them, what I say to individuals is if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. So really to truly go with that sense of the feeling and the gut check. Um, And if you are someone who sees these things happening in the workplace, really to be able to provide space for the individual who is the victim of it, to be able to feel the feelings that they need to feel, to talk about what they need to talk about, but also to really like check people in the moment. You know, we have heard things like there's the bias, there's unconscious bias. I don't Mm -hmm. like to give people the ability to just run around the world, you know, thinking that it's okay to say whatever they want to say because they came from this place or they learned it this way. But I do think that we do have to teach other people how to 
teach how to really engage with us in every single environment, including the workplace. So you teach people how to treat you. And so being able to speak up for individuals who are victims of this is really important because it's essential for individuals to know it's not okay to do those things. It's not okay to say those things. Right. And it's funny you brought that up when you said unconscious bias. Uh, what popped in my head was I think that it's more of I would give a pass to a, gen a certain generation, like the younger 18 or so, because they may not know certain things to be said to a certain group is offensive. But yeah. the older generation, like, no, yeah, you know, better. by this now, you know better for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't really like that term unconscious bias because I really do think it's giving people a pass a lot of mm -hmm. times. But I also am a very spiritual being and I do believe that everybody needs to heal different aspects of themselves to become a better individual. So you mm -hmm. may just need to change your thought process or your beliefs around certain things because those were also instilled on you. And so clearing those might be essential for you, but that doesn't give you a pass to just run around this world and say whatever you want to say. Correct, correct. So share, share with the ladies, using the word no as an empowering tool um talk us through that process because obviously that that is tough that is extremely tough especially if you're looking to project your career a certain way and if you're you're someone who's blocking off different projects whatever it is share yeah. with folks how to how to get over that how to use well, it in an effective way i think that I think the term no or the word no really has a bad connotation to it because, you know, even when we think of it as like, oh, if I say no, then that means that I'm going to stop my trajectory. Whereas the way that I like to think of it is saying no is about really staying true to your intentions, really staying true to your desires and what you want in this aspect of your life. When you have the intention of being able to move forward in your career, it is essential that you say no as a boundary to not allowing things into your space that are going to take you off that trajectory. So really, we have to rethink the word no. The word no is not a bad word. It is an essential word to stay true to the intentions and purpose and pursuit of yourself and the things that you want in this aspect of your life. You cannot have an intention and then have no boundaries around that intention. The intention will simply not move forward. So I think it's essential for us to rethink why we utilize this word in the first place. And we utilize this word in the first place to stay in alignment with our intentions and to drive those intentions forward. And when we start to really shift the narrative into that perspective, it already starts to feel more empowering because it becomes about you and your path and protection of you and your path. And so I think that's really a, 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 a already powerful way to shift, shift the narrative around the word no. But that doesn't take away from the fact that it still is a hard word to use, especially for women who culturally and in society are conditioned to take care of others first. Like we are really programmed to be the caregivers in every aspect of life, even in our careers. We are looked to to be the support system. And when we are looked to to be that support system, it can be very difficult to set boundaries around ourselves because essentially we are supposed to allow everyone in and we are supposed to take care of everyone. So it's not to say that it makes it easier to utilize the word, but it's a nice, powerful perspective or perspective shift for it. And we have to really be thoughtful around like, why are we not using this word more enough? What does it mean about or what do we perceive it will mean about ourselves? What kind of judgment do we think that we're going to take from others because we are using this word? And we have to get to a point where it becomes so much more important for us to be intentional and to stay in alignment with those intentions that that fear around using the word no just simply diminishes. It's not about getting rid of fear. Fear is never going to go away. But the way I like to say to my clients is the confidence in the utilization of your no just gets higher than the fear because you are so attuned to the intention that you have and what you want in this aspect of your life. You will not let it go. So two, two sides to that coin, and then I'm going to ask you actionable steps on that, right? Because, again, how I received that as an advocate for women is 
there's a mindset shift that has to happen. So you have those that may still have a fear, but like you said, can easily overcome it. I won't say easily, but over, they're overcome it and then they're effectively using it. There are some that'll stay stagnant in that space, just the fear overtakes them. So what are some mindset shifts or tips or tools that can start transforming those women that are that's that are stuck in that space to finally start saying, you know what, I'm gonna get the confidence to to try this and see what happens. Yeah, I love that. So to start out with, you have to really to create a mindset shift, you have to become aware of the current way that you are thinking. How am I thinking right now about using my no? What do I think about myself? What do I think others will think about me? Because judgment is a big thing. We think that everyone is going to judge us if we're going to use this word and if we're going to set these boundaries. So it's essentially about taking a baseline. You want to know what are some of the negative thoughts, limiting beliefs that I have around using this word. And once you come to terms with and build that self-awareness around those negative thoughts and limiting beliefs, then you can start to shift them into more of a positive or empowering way of thinking. So if you're the kind of person that thinks that if I use my no, I might get fired, right? If I keep saying no to my boss, like I might not have a job, you know, really shifting into that narrative of utilizing my no allows me to do my work more efficiently, right? It allows me to delegate better. It allows me to be a better leader. Even just thinking through, is this narrative really true? And how can I see it from a different lens can really help to shift that mindset. And let me uh, clarify for those that are watching or catch the replay. Is it so much that you're saying using the word no or phrasing it in a way that you're rejecting what's being presented so you can stay effective and stay aligned with what your path is like from a phrasing standpoint? What does that look like as an example? So you want to think about using the word because you definitely want okay. to using the word no. But if you're then talking about the intention behind it, you really have to get clear around what do I want in my career? What am I looking to be able to achieve, right? Like, what do I really want? What's that next move for me? What's that next step for me? What am I looking to get out of this area of my life? And how can I utilize my no as sort of that boundary and barrier? I think of no as very similarly to setting boundaries around yourself or boundaries around the work that you're doing or setting up boundaries in general. So being able to have that intention of I'm looking to get my promotion I'm looking to get my pay raise. I'm looking to step into a leadership role. And then just by setting that intention, you will start to you, you will start to realize or notice where you need to be setting those boundaries and using your no more. Because if work starts coming to you that is not in alignment with that intention, that's a great representation of a moment where you need to set a boundary and use your no. Love that. Love that. Talk to us more about strategies because uh, i'm all like i said you know, steps yeah. actionable steps they can walk away from it's like okay an example that may come up in it because you talk a lot too about uh toxic work environments right mm -hmm. and how to get out of those what are some ways that you've seen or coached uh your clients to get out of those situations situations using you know that word no uh, in mm -hmm. their communication yeah, well, if you're in a toxic work environment, I think the best no that you can use is like what I like to say is no more. You know, I think that it's essential that if you're in a toxic work environment, you recognize that the ability and the capability for you to achieve your intention is just significantly lower, right? Because when we're in toxic work environments, we are not capable of bringing the most authentic version of ourselves into the space. We're, and, we're, and when we are not capable of doing that, we are essentially are not capable of being in alignment. We're not capable of achieving our intentions. We're not capable of thriving in that space. When you can't be the you that you want to be, you're not going to be able to achieve the level of success you're looking for. So I think the most important and powerful no is no more. And really just being thoughtful around if I am not going to be able to achieve my intention here, then what kinds of environments or what kinds of companies do I need to be in to really be able to obtain that? And that's really about being centered around what do you need for an organization to value you as a professional of color, as a woman, as a person? Like, what do you need for an organization to truly value and support you so that you can thrive? 
So are you seeing data around this being a struggle more for women of color than uh, any other group? No, I, I don't think that it is a woman of color problem. I think that I just you know, help my dope women of color. But, um, <laughs> I think toxic work environments are a systemic issue that are affecting everyone. I don't think that this is just a woman of color issue. I think that there are a lot of toxic work environments out there. Um, and I think it's essential for anyone, no matter what your background is, to really be able to ask yourself, you know, what do I need from a company to be able to feel valued, to be able to feel fulfilled, to be able to grow, to develop, to thrive, to achieve the things that I want to achieve? And am I truly capable of doing that here? And if the answer is no, then really being, you know, thoughtful around, well, what do I need those next steps to be to get that? I believe that in every single aspect of life, we all should be able to achieve the success we want as we define it. Not everybody in their career is going to want to be in the C-suite. Not everybody in their career is going to want to make a, you know tons of money. But everybody in their career wants to go in every single day and feel valued, feel appreciated. That's just us as humans. And so if that's really what you're looking for and that, and that base, that foundation isn't even being given to you, then that's something to really be thoughtful around. So around what stage should women activate using no. And what I mean by that, there's the interview stage, right? When you're going through that process before you get married to a company and then all these things start to come up, you're like, whoa, now I need to start. Do you start early? Yeah. After the career and mid-career? What does that look like? I think you have to start from the beginning. Um, I think that one of the things that is such a shame is that um, colleges and school does not teach us how to be a professional to, that stands up for themselves. And even a professional that understands the basics of what they should be advocating for in the workplace. And so I think it's really important that we identify at the different parts of our lives because your career goals go alongside your life goals, right? They work in unison, they work together. And so I think it's very important that we are always being really thoughtful around what is it that I need to be able to claim career success as I define it in this moment of my life? What does career success mean to me? And what do I need to be able to achieve that? And to really be able to create the first thing is like, the non-negotiables, right? If I want to be able to achieve this, these are my non-negotiables. And if you're looking for a company and you're in the job search, that's really your filter there. So oftentimes people are going through the job search and they're just freaking going through the job search. You know, they're just applying for jobs. They're just going on interviews. They're just trying to get out of that cycle because the job search brings about a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings and you just want to get out of it. But the thing here is that you have to be so thoughtful about where you land. And we hear this, um, this phrase of like, if you work a great job or you work a job you love, you'll never feel like you're working a day in, you, a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And I, I tend to believe that we're missing 50% of that, which is if you do the job you love and you work in a company that values you, then it will feel like you're not working a day in your life. And so we often really neglect the environment, which I think is one of the most pivotal factors in this whole equation, because you can find a job and you can find a job doing the things you enjoy, whatever that is. But you have to be so focused on that environmental factor or else you're not going to be able to get the things you want to get or achieve that level of success. So it starts from reflection day one. And then you carry that through as a filter in every single aspect of your job search. And then when you land in that right environment, you have the capacity to now capitalize on that space and move yourself forward. But you also still have that filter. So as things come up, it doesn't mean that you're in a toxic work environment and you have to ditch it, but it does mean that you start to talk about it. These are my boundaries. These are my non-negotiables. How can I work with you to make sure that my needs are being met here? So we have to always be doing this reflective work and we really have to bring that reflective work into the space. And that helps us set those boundaries and 
lets us know when we need to be using and activating that no. And then as our life's shape, shape and change, we need to go back to that exercise. You know, when I was young in my career, I was like, I don't give a poop about anything. You know, I, I just want to move up the ladder. I want to make tons of money. And then as I got older, you know, I mean, things change. And, you know, I wanted to sleep more and, you know, that you have the same energy. And so, you know, you're, as your life grows and shapes and changes, you really have to be thoughtful around those values and around what's important to you and reshape your no and also reshape your boundaries. Can we talk about that sleep more factor there? No, no I'm telling you. That's even, real. That's real. I love you because at 630 at night, I am not doing things like this. <laughs> 630 at night, I'm getting some calm work done yeah. you know yeah. and I walk my dog <laughs> well, good thing my wife's in the in the comments supporting so that's the only way we can get it done <laughs> i love it so I, got, I got a pass for tonight <laughs> i love it so let's talk about how often right because two-part question can it be used too often and the other part was well, it's a completely separate question in what scenarios? Because I don't want folks to walk away thinking they walk in the next day, they walk in tomorrow, like, hey, can you jump on this? No. <laughs> can you help me? No. You know, yes, I'm using my no power. No, that's uh, not that what we're started, saying. <laughs> if that started to happen, I would actually, like, I, I kind of would like, a little, like, in love with that. Dr. You know? Hashtag we, Dr. Jazz. Not if we went all the way there, like, um, yeah, that's a be great a, question. Be a meme. <laughs> Can it be overutilized? Yeah, I I guess so. But I just don't think we use it nearly enough that I don't even think we're going to be getting to overutilization anytime soon. But what I will say in terms of scenarios is it really does go back to that intention, right? It really does go back to what is it that you are seeking to be able to achieve in this aspect of your life? And then how can you ensure that you make that happen and establish those boundaries around you? But I think that one of the, one of the ways that boundary setting and using your no can go wrong, and I see this often, is while well, I'm, I'm setting my boundaries, I'm saying no, but nobody's like really listening to me. And when we set our boundaries, when we start using no, there's a critical factor here. We can't just establish a wall and then not tell someone that that wall exists. So often what we do is we'll say like, I'm going to start setting my boundaries. I'm going to start using my no, but we don't communicate that to anybody. So the other individual on the other end is perceiving us in the exact same way, but we're not the same person. We're not the mm. same individual. And we're using now this boundary setting. But if you don't tell them that, then they can't readjust. They can't support you. They can't help you. They can't even understand what the hell is going on right now. Because yesterday you were the workhorse and now today you're coming in and now you've just started establishing boundaries. So it's essential that when you really think about I'm going to start using this word more. I'm going to start setting my boundaries. You also get conscientious around, well, who needs to know that I'm doing this? And how can I have those conversations put on the big girl pants? Because they're not easy conversations. But how can I start having those conversations with my team, with my manager, with my leadership, so that they understand why I'm doing this, why this is important, why it's essential, and also like how it's going to help you and the company, the organization, the team be even more efficient, right? So that's really important too. So would you suggest uh, for folks who, who have not used it early enough mm -hmm. to kind of set that boundary so it doesn't seem like that dramatic pivot to now start setting maybe one-on-ones in those conversations, start planting seeds with your people yeah. leaders and your managers to say, hey, um, this is the framework of my life and what I'm intentionally looking forward to do with my career, with the company, obviously. Um, and, you know, what does those conversations look like? So, again, they have some language around knowing how to approach that. 
Yeah. So the conversation can really start with yourself, you know, setting those intentions, thinking about what success means to you. And then it can be bringing that to your manager and saying, you know, I've been really thoughtful around what success in this organization, in this team really means to me. And this is something that I want to sort of prepare myself for. This is something that I want to achieve here at the organization and really outline what your ideas and concepts are for you in the space and really open up the dialogue, right? Like let people help and support you, but we have to communicate those needs. So really inviting individuals, inviting your manager, inviting people who can support you into the conversation to then discuss what that would look like, what needs to come off of your plate in order for you to achieve that, who you can delegate things to, what new projects you can take on that are in alignment with that specific goal. So really inviting individuals into the conversation is essential, but it can start with simply just saying, you know, I've been I've been having a great time here. I'm having a blast. I love it. I want to grow. I want to continue to develop. And I've been really thinking about what my next steps would be. And I want to walk you through that. And I'm asking for your support and really being able to help me achieve that. So let's talk about things like my current workload. Let's talk about, you know, current task items. Let's talk about even special projects or new projects that will get me the visibility that I'm looking for so that I can achieve this. So you can start to really sketch out a path, bringing people into the environment, into the conversation that can help you achieve it. Love that. And uh, I would just want to shout out one person, um, well, everybody who's joined, but Luz, uh, Luz Frazier, I'm not sure if you two know each other, but you two should absolutely connect. Luz runs uh, runs an amazing organization called uh, Lou, I forgot it, uh, Lead Humano. So definitely uh, worth connecting with her. Uh, Jasmine will be a great speaker for you <laughs> as well. <laughs> hey, Orlando, always promoting. <laughs> <laughs> Give my 10% manager fee. You know, I'll do what I do. <laughs> All right, I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so we're talking about, right, using the power of no, really using no to, mm -hmm. to kind of set those boundaries. We broke down a little bit about the, you know, the scenarios, the kind of backstory, the framework, the, the environment and how that can change and mold. Um, what does being in an environment using that no look like when it's activated? Have you, have clients come to you and say, hey, Jasmine, since I've started doing this, here's what it's looking like for me in this organization going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really interesting because I have so many of these conversations with, you know, my clients, with the amazing women that I support around getting them into their safe environment. So a lot of clients come to me and because I kind of am like that person who's like the toxic workplace queen, I get you out of your toxic work environment. Um, that's our first step, right? Our first step is safe space. So safe space allows you the capacity to then build those intentions off of. Because if you're in a toxic work environment, the last thing you can think about is where do I want my career to go? You can't see that vision because your confidence is broken. You have self-doubt. You really need to get out of that space because you're being consistently triggered. So that's a lot for a lot of my clients. The first step is taking them out of the environment where they can't even use the word no and putting them into a space where they have that safe space to be able to see the vision, to see the path, to have those conversations and to establish their boundaries. And so once they're in that really in that in that that safe environment, or if you are already in that environment where you feel the capacity to use your no, then it's really about what the conversation we had before, opening up, inviting people in, and really having that dialogue around what your needs are, what you want to do, and moving that forward. But for my clients, what's really special is seeing them being able to have already when they step into those organizations, their non-negotiables -nego and their boundaries already set because we've been so thoughtful about it from the beginning and during the interview process that they're in the right environments for them to really be able to just start capitalize on those conversations immediately. And so a lot of what I see with my clients is just that rebuilding of confidence by even just 
feeling like they feel empowered enough to even think about what they want, where they want to go, the boundaries that they want to set, and then placing them in those environments in which they can really start to have those conversations. It's beautiful to watch. I love that. So I'm going to switch gears based on what you just said. So helping them transition out. Mm -hmm. um, what would a plan look like? Correct. Because every person is not going to have um, the overall ultimate utopia environment that they want, right? Man, woman, it's not going to, yeah, you know, that's, that's not realistic. So for the women, um, and we're specifically, you know, advocating for the women, talk about what that transition process would look like. You, once they reach that point, they're like, they're like Jasmine, it ain't, it, it ain't working. I'm, yeah. I'm doing it. I'm being cordial and being professional, but the, they're continuing to push. And this is just not going to work for me. It's no, no, no longer aligned with my mission. What's that yeah. transition process starts to look like? So the first thing that I do when I work with my clients, when it's gotten to that point and they come to me and there's just, you know, they've tried. I've, so many of my clients have tried to advocate for themselves, have tried to push forward their agendas, all of that, all of these things. And they're just not in the right environment. So the first thing that is really important to me is protection of energy and protection of your mind. So what I really talk to my clients a lot about is getting to neutrality. So how can you be neutral in this space energetically so that this organization, this situation, this environment is not taking any more from you? Because essentially what happens is you start to be so negative, which makes sense, but you start to put so much negative energy, negative thoughts into this environment that you're so drained that you can't even do anything related to getting yourself out of the environment. And that's the cycle of stuck. That's one part of the cycle of stuck is I'm so exhausted from being here that I can't even get myself out of here. And so to get out of the cycle of stuck, I always talk about neutrality of energy. So just getting to neutral, I, I kind of equate it to Jay-Z's like dust your shoulders off, right? Like how <laughs> can it be that no matter what happens around you, you can sit in the BS and you can just be like, I'm good. Like I'm way good. And, you know, as a career coach, this might sound a little bit funky, but I also talk to them about the pullback too. So we often are like the workhorses. We often are the ones that put out all this work and are doing all these damn things. How can we start to pull back so that we're preserving even some of that energy for things like reflecting on the type of career we want? reflecting on the type of environment we want to be in and stepping into that job search. And I talk a lot to my clients about this isn't a job search. This is a job and company search. So even just that reframe, we're not just looking for a job. We're looking for a job and a company. And how do you really do that company search? We all know how to job search. We all know how to go on LinkedIn and put in job titles and find jobs and network. But the part that I think a lot of us miss is that second piece, which is the company search. So how do you really utilize networking? How do you interview the company and the organization? How do you ask thoughtful questions that are sometimes scary to ask around your specific values and needs so that you get the DL on the company so that you know this is it or this is not it? And also, how do you listen to yourself? How do you do that gut check and really listen to yourself? But because you already have done these filters, have outlined your needs, it becomes much easier to do that. Mm, love that. Have you ever come across a client who is unaware that they're in that environment where you had to say, OK, walk me through your day, walk me through what it's like there, um, who, who you know how you can be so you get so numb to certain environments negative where it's like, do you know what you're sitting in? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I actually haven't had that um, because I think that, you know, I think the term toxic workplace is being utilized much more. And I yeah. think we're talking much more about psychological safety and much more about the impact of not being in the right environment. But I have to say that, like, I didn't know that I was in a toxic work environment. I stayed in a toxic work environment for years. And it was really because I was conditioned to believe that this is the way it just is. So in the academic space, having gotten my PhD, being in academia, 
it's a very competitive environment. It's very cutthroat. You're, you're constantly expecting for people to basically put you down. Like that's just the type of environment it is. And you will hear very often, well, like I had to go through that. So you have to go through that too. So I was conditioned to not even know what a toxic work environment was. So I didn't know I was in one and we didn't, this term didn't seem to exist back then. So I didn't know I was in a toxic work environment until I started talking to other people. And that's when I started to realize like, wait a second, this isn't like the way it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, And that was when I started to get more educated around, you know, toxic work environments and toxicity. But that was much later in my career when we started to talk about this a little bit more. And when people really started to share more of their narratives and stories around it. So was this organization uh, that you was with in the academia space where you empowered yourself to start using no and kind of owning your intentionality for your career? I had to. I mean, there was no other way. It was either you just adapt to the situation and keep your mouth shut and just continue Mm -hmm. to move and get your paycheck or you you stand up for yourself. And um, I tried the first route for a very long time, but I I became so, I started to just hate myself. It wasn't even about hating the environment. It wasn't even about hating the company. I hated myself. I remember leaving, you know, leaving meetings where I would berate myself for not speaking up you know, or just berate myself for taking the criticism and not saying anything. So Mm -hmm. I was almost like hating on me. And when I finally realized that, that this environment not even made me dislike the environment that I, but I, I started to dislike myself. That's when it really hit me that, you know, things had to change. Well, what would you, what would you guesstimate based on your client base or just talking with other women, whether however you network in association, that this is consistently happening. Um, if you would engage not, you know, 10 women, what would you think that poll would come back at where they're they're struggling in that in that space? That's a great question because I think just naturally because of how, you know, the way I coach and the way I show up on LinkedIn, I, I'm getting a lot of people. So I think I'm, I'm unfortunately biased to think that the number is significantly higher than it potentially is. Mm. Um, so what I will say is I think that it's happening more, more than we think. And I think that there's still a lot of people who believe that it's okay and that if they're getting a paycheck and they have a job, especially in this job market and with all the layoffs that are happening, I truly believe that there are a lot of people who are not speaking up about their circumstances because of the fear of what would be next if they really acknowledged where they were. And if you really, I mean, if you really put the mirror on yourself and you acknowledge your situation, you have to change it. And that means either setting your boundaries, saying no, starting a job search, all things that bring about feelings of fear, uncertainty, unknown, you know, judgment of self, like that's a lot of heavy stuff there. So I think a lot of individuals are really staying in the situation because they don't want to face the other thing. Mm. How can men advocate and support women in this space here? Yeah. So I think for men, what's really helpful and what's really essential is to ask questions, you know, to be thoughtful and to ask the women employees, your, you know, the women who work with you, the women who work for you, the women who work above you, you know, what are your career goals and aspirations? What are you looking to achieve next? And, and how can I support you in that? In connections, in work, in projects, in boundaries, in work-life balance. So to really open up the space for us to start the conversations, because it is still really not necessarily accepted for women to just walk into a room and say, I want this, I want this, I want this, and I want that. 
you know, that's still not very acceptable, right, in our environment. But our allies, our sponsors, our supporters, 110% can open the door to that conversation so that we know it's safe for us to be able to bring our wants, desires, hopes, dreams, aspirations into that space. And not only that, not only to say, I want to be in a leadership role, but then to really truly have someone who says, well, how can I support you in that? Not just in connections, but also in these other areas. What could I be doing better to ensure that I can help you get there? I mean, how would everything change if we <laughs> had people really open yeah. the door to that conversation, that would be a game changer. Awesome. So how would, because you, you brought up a good point too with allies and, and everyone, how can they begin to find those within the organization um, once they're in there? What are some good ways that once, you know, they stepped in, they had an opportunity to, to start using it, no, no early kind of set the tone for themselves, at least from their people leader, right? Their middle, their direct manager. Uh, but how can they start navigating the corporate landscape, that organization to build allies and advocates um, where they may see some other women struggle and things like that? What are some good ways to do that within an organization? Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about networking, you know, mm -hmm. and we talk a lot about it to, to get opportunities. But when you're already in an organization, there's still networking and there's still a lot of networking that needs to be done to be able to establish your presence and visibility within the organization. So we're not talking now about getting a job or getting an opportunity. We're really talking about how do you establish connections with individuals so that you can establish that visibility and that presence so that you are essentially being thought of when things like promotions come up, when things like pay raises are being talked about, when special projects are coming around because you've established those connections and individuals know what you're good at, what you're doing and what you want. So it's really just about starting those conversations and really being thoughtful around an exercise I love to give my clients is who works at your organization that doesn't know who you are or what you do, but it would be essential for them to know who you are and what you do. So to just even start there, like who works here that doesn't know the great work that I'm doing and the impact that I'm having and how can I start to have those conversations with those individuals? So networking, just, yeah. networking nope. is essential. Yeah. I think that's so huge. That point of setting like an internal target list of mm -hmm. not only, yeah, who you should know and who yeah. should know you based on the alignment and uh, the work that you're doing that it impacts. It may be impacting them, impacting them, uh, but they're not sure who's who's doing the work. Right. For, for the most yeah. part. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's 100%. huge. That's a massive yeah. takeaway. Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean, you know, and I. And what I also like to tell people is like, don't assume that people sit around and wonder how things get done. Like everybody's got their own job to do. Like, so mm -hmm. don't assume that somebody's sitting there wondering like, oh, who did this great thing? You have to be the one that puts the pieces of the puzzle together, especially as you start climbing up the ladder. <laughs> like these are individuals who have more than enough to think about, but they would also love to know that you were the person who helped them. You were the person who achieved that goal. You were the person who did that project. Believe me, they would love to know who's making their lives easier, but they're not <laughs> going to go and seek that information out. That's just, they're just too busy or they have other things going on. So don't think that it's their job to know you. It's your job to get to, to get them to know you. Oh, love that. So I, and I see that as a difference versus um, you getting credit for your project, but then having that FaceTime with those folks, too, that that really understand to kind of understand your methodology and how you think that you can be bringing up certain ideas. They'd be like, wow, let's you know, let's unpack that a little further, you know, put something together, put a deck together and present that. Let's see what that looks like going forward. So that's, that's super huge. Massive takeaway for that. Yep. I love that. So folks, I want to uh, be mindful of the time. We are, we're creeping up uh, on time. And as Jasmine stated around this time, she just want to chill. So I want to. <laughs> Yay. I go to the I, beach with my dog. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and thank you so much for our conversation uh, when we connected in Miami, uh, super cool. Uh, she came through, 
we had a good good conversation and folks i honestly honestly she is a genuine person you have got to connect with jazz i'm calling you jazz and i didn't even get approval to jasmine no that's, that's totally fine you know it's it's like it's weird when people call me dr escalera i'm like oh yikes you earned it, <laughs> Look, you earned it. You earned it and you earned it. I did, yeah, so. I did, but it's also the equivalent of people calling me ma'am. I'm like, oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming through yet again, uh, dropping some amazing information and advice for, for really folks that can take immediate massive action. Because um, that's what I'll make I want to make sure each episode produces. Uh, any last parting words for the folks? who's catching it live or the replay that they should be mindful of. How can they connect with you? Any programs, anything else? Yeah. Yeah. So I am so freaking excited to support um, anyone who's looking to get out of a toxic work environment. I have a um, coaching program called the empowered hire, which is a group coaching program and community for job seekers. So if you are in the job search and you're really looking to become that empowered, confident job seeker who's going out there, not just job searching, company searching, and really utilizing their skill set to find the right environment for them and make the money they deserve, then the empowered hire is for sure for you. You get to job search with me and my expertise, but also with a community of job seekers. And if you're interested in learning more about that, you can hit me up in the DMs or you can go to www www.theempoweredhire.com for all the details. Love it. Love it. I think I asked you this last time and I asked you again on my guest, what gets you going? Why do you do what you do? You know, I had a rough, rocky career um, and I was alone a lot through it. And it's because, you know, my parents, my dad didn't go to high school. My mom went to college when I was much older. They had that like really old school mindset of, you know, you go to college, you get a job, you get a 401k and health insurance and, and a paycheck and you just, you know, that's it. That's all you do. And so I really felt like I didn't have the support system that I needed to leave a lot of the environments that I should have left earlier, to be thoughtful around my career, to define my own version of career success. And although I would say I was successful in my career, it was hard to get there. So I wake up every single day because I just don't want anyone to feel alone in their career. We shouldn't, right? There's this amazing platform, LinkedIn, which didn't, well, I think it existed back in the day, but I wasn't on it. Um, there's this amazing platform where you can, you know, really be able to connect with people all around the world. You can get support. I just don't ever want people to feel like there's not an outlet and they have to go through it alone. And that's what makes me really excited to do the work that I do and wake up every day. Love it, folks. We're going to leave it right there. Thank you again, uh, Jasmine, Dr. Jasmine Escalera, a.k.a. Jazz. Again, I appreciate you so much, folks. Absolutely. Again, connect, connect with Jasmine. Uh, get into the program. Empower women. Uh, be supportive. All these people are saying thank you. Thank you. Oh, love it. Love it. Any comments, questions you have, post this broadcast shoot us a message, we'll respond, and I'll redirect you to Miss Escalero. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye. Thank you, everyone.